Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. These are the readings for Sunday, April 11th. The first reading comes from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 35, beginning at the 32nd verse. Now the whole group of those who believed were one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. The second reading comes from 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through chapter 2, verse 2, beginning at the first verse. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, and what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testify to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie, and we do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. The Gospel comes from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, 
was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the marks of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, You have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing may have life in his name. Well, dear Christian friends, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we continue the Easter season and, in fact, the Easter story in our readings this morning, I can't help but think about John Sevilla. I met John Sevilla for the first time just weeks after I graduated from seminary, just days after I started my first call as a pastor. Yeah, that was a long time ago, but it doesn't matter. You can be sure that there will never be an Easter morning that I won't be thinking about John. Whenever I see the flowers, the Easter lilies. Well, hey, let me back up a little bit. I'll come back to John and how he came to have such a big impact on me. But first, let's take a little trip together, shall we? A trip back in time, nearly 2,000 years ago, to that first Easter Sunday. Let's try to imagine what it must have been like. So picture this scene with me. It's no longer Sunday morning, but Sunday evening now. Jesus was crucified, that is, publicly executed, just on Friday. The disciples are huddled together in a darkened room with the shutters closed and the door bolted, and they are frightened nearly to death. It's little wonder they're so afraid. In the preceding days, they have seen the most horrible things. First, there had been the rumors. So many frightening rumors about the powerful Pharisees and other enemies of Jesus, how they were plotting to capture Jesus. And who knows, maybe round them all up and end this little movement of theirs once and for all. Then, just four nights ago, the nightmare came to life with Jesus' arrest in the darkness, out among the trees of the garden, followed by his unimaginable torture and trial throughout the night. His disciples had fled and hidden themselves among the crowd, but they stayed close enough to see what happened to Jesus, how he suffered, how he was mocked and scorned and finally nailed to a cross as a warning 
to anyone who dared defy the religious powers in Jerusalem. Jesus died there on that cross. They watched him die. From a distance, they watched his body taken down and buried. I'm sure they must have trembled in fear and in incredible dismay as they watched that heavy stone rolled into place to seal the tomb where Jesus was laid. And now, those same disciples have sealed themselves away in a way that they hope and pray is a safe place. They are frantic with fear. They are frantic with fear. Every sound they hear outside, they're certain is the sound of Roman soldiers coming to drag them all to their own agonizing deaths. Any second there will be pounding down the door. The disciples were sure it was inevitable. They scarcely dare even to whisper. They are terrified. And then suddenly, the Gospel of John tells us Jesus, the dead man, Jesus, the one they watch die, Jesus is suddenly standing there among them. Never mind that the doors were locked. Oh, they were carefully locked, all right. Never mind that their location was secret. There in that darkened room, Jesus appeared and said what surely must have been the most absurd thing, the most ironic greeting in all of human history. Peace be with you, Jesus said. Have peace in your hearts, we might say. Or better yet, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, disciples. Can you imagine? Yeah, right. Just like that time 33 or so years earlier, when somebody else split the night with words, don't be afraid. You might remember the words more clearly as fear not. As in, fear not. For I bring you glad tidings of great joy for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Oh yeah, and I suppose you're going to tell me that those shepherds weren't scared nearly to death when the sky burst forth with a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Don't be afraid So John Sevilla's heart was a time bomb. That's what I was told as I headed off to the hospital to meet him for the first time. I didn't know very much about his situation, only that he'd had a heart attack, a very close call. That's what the other pastor had said. When I arrived at the hospital, I found a man whose legs had been amputated some years earlier, thanks to diabetes. A man whose emphysema meant an oxygen tank was constantly at his side. A man whose health was so poor that they couldn't give him the quadruple bypass that the tests all showed he needed. So I, this young new pastor, pulled up a chair next to his bed and unsure of the situation, frankly unsure of myself, I awkwardly introduced myself and fumbled for something to say. 
John, I'm told you're recovering from a heart attack. Can you tell me what that was like? How's that for a dumb question? Well, Pastor, John answered, with an odd smile suddenly brightening his pale, thin face. Pastor, it was a real walk in the garden. Assuming he was being sarcastic, I responded, from what I've heard of what you've been through, it couldn't have been anything like a walk in the garden. And John replied, no, pastor, you heard me wrong. I didn't say it was like a real walk in the garden. I said it was a real walk in the garden. You see, John Sevilla had not exactly survived his heart attack that day. Not in the usual sense. For nine minutes, John had been, well, dead for all practical purposes. His heart had utterly stopped that day. No blood moving through his veins, his eyes unresponsive to the paramedic's light, the air stale in his lungs. John told me how he watched for a moment as the doctors scurried to his aid, how he watched only for a moment from his vantage point high above the ER unit where his body lay. And then he turned, John said, he turned to find himself in a garden, a beautiful garden in which he now walked even though he'd been without legs just a moment earlier. I sat there spellbound as he told me about what he had experienced, what he had seen, the garden path that he had strolled, the gritty coolness of the stone wall that he rested his hand upon, and most importantly, what he felt in his soul in that moment just a few days before my visit. Never before had he felt such peace, he said. Never had he had experienced such a feeling of well-being, such a sense of acceptance, of being cared for, of being loved. I was only in his hospital room for a few moments that day, the strength in his voice soon faded, and I knew it was time for me to go. I said a prayer. I promised to return soon. But you know, as I got up to leave, John stopped me by grasping my hand from his bed. His eyes absolutely sparkled as he whispered these words as his farewell that day. I used to be afraid of dying, Pastor, but I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. John was only 67 that day that he died. While I didn't know him before that great turning point in his life, everyone said he was a different man from that day forward, a joyful man, a caring man, a peaceful man. His dedication to his family and his love for his church were undeniable. His gratitude to God for another chance at life was constant. 
More than anything, he wanted to reach out to others who were facing difficult medical situations. To reach out to them with his own unique experience and to offer them these words of encouragement. Don't be afraid. Heaven knows we all need to hear words like that. You see, we have some things in common, don't we, with those disciples huddled in that darkened room, awaiting the inevitable, desperate with fear. I'm sure we've all felt the fear in our hearts, the panic that explodes in our minds at the cold, sudden realization that everything we know in this life will one day pass from our view. That one day we each will breathe our last. The day will come. It must come when each of us will be sealed behind the stone. Each of us will be locked away from things living for what the world believes will be an eternity. And like Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, remember from just last Sunday, groping through the darkness on that first Easter morning, wondering who will roll the stone away from us? Now we wonder, we frantically wonder, who will roll that stone away for me? Dear Christian friends, It is exactly the answer to that question that brings us together in joyful celebration this morning. Even as we gather each and every Sunday, the first day of the week, to give thanks and praise to God. Because listen, wouldn't it have been more than enough if God had sent Jesus to show us how to live in love? to set an example for how we can live peacefully. But God didn't stop there, did God? God also sent Jesus to live obediently, even if that obedience led to death on a cross for our sins. And it would have been more than enough if Jesus had died for our sins, but God also raised him from the dead to confirm his triumph over sin And it would have been more than enough if Jesus had been raised from the dead, but God didn't even stop there. God has gone so far as to ensure that all those who bear the name of Jesus Christ shall share in Christ's victory over the grave. St. Paul says it so well. Whoever has been baptized into Christ has been baptized into his death. And if we have been united with him in a death like his, surely we have been united with him in a resurrection like his. This is God's truth, friends. God's truth. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead, who rolled away the stone from the door on his tomb, that God will also roll away the stone from your grave as well. In Christ's triumph, the grave is no longer an eternal resting place, a tomb of eternal death, but instead the grave has become the gateway to eternal life.
This is the promise of Easter, my friends. This is the reason we celebrate this day with hearts made light, our fears vanquished. Listen to me. In the end, it is no angel, but Jesus himself who stands at the entrance to your tomb and his Easter message is the sweetest you will ever hear. Come forth, Jesus will say. Come forth and live forever in my kingdom. Come forth and be reunited with those you love. Come forth and know eternal joy. Eternal joy. You know, that's the line of work we're in together here at Faith Lutheran. We're in the eternal joy business. We're in the peace be with you and don't be afraid distribution business. The best line of work there can be. And look, we give it away for free. Just as it has been freely given to us, we give it away for free as much as we can to anyone who will receive it. That's what I love about the church, friends. That's what I love about what I do, what we do together. God's grace, God's forgiveness, eternal life, all for free. Come and get it, or better yet, let us bring it to you, world. That's what we do as Christians. Listen, John Sevilla was 67 years old the first time he died. Two years later, two very happy and full years later, at the age of 69, John died a second time. I've often imagined that John returned to that beautiful garden and just didn't come back again. I think of him when I walk among the lilies on Easter morning. I think of him and I think of all the others who, like John, have gone on to the glory that Jesus died and was raised to provide. You know, more than anything, I like to think of John Standing once more, yes, standing in a dazzling white robe. He's standing and he's smiling and he's saying to you and me, don't be afraid. You don't need to be afraid anymore. Thanks be to God in Jesus' name. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, 
you are welcome to visit faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.